Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Nathan Scoggins is an accomplished writer, producer, director, working across several fields of entertainment. His first film as a writer-director was the award-winning The Least of These and was executive produced by the legendary Ralph Winters. I want to ask Nathan about walking out his Christian value for marriage and family while going after the entertainment industry. I'm also excited to hear a story of what motivated him to pursue and keep pursuing entertainment from Los Angeles, California, which tends to be one of the hardest cities in the world to live in, especially pursuing entertainment. Come join the conversation. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. Wow, we have a really fun show because I have Nathan Scoggins on right now. Hello. And you just heard his bio, but I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being on. Thanks. Uh, thanks for letting me on. I really, I really appreciate this. And given the Zoom time that we're in, this is kind of the new normal. So we're all getting used to what this is right now. So, uh, well, great. and I think of how many years have we both been in LA and we've never met formally in a real way. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think you know Steven Spielberg refers to certainly filmmakers, but I think that's certainly true of a lot of us, especially Christians. It's like we're we're kind of like we're all in the same circle, so you kind of know each. So I've heard Sean Bull's name mentioned in kind of like <laughs> whispers, and you know it's like Aslan and Narnia. It's like we hear rumors <laughs> of, of so these funny. types of and people. they're all not true, which is terrible because I, I have good and bad rumors out there, and they're all not true. Well, the, all the ones that I've heard, it's like William Wallace. You know, apparently you shoot <laughs> lightning out of your hindquarters. Uh, yeah, that's you, true. You, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like Samson's, like the legend precedes the man. And, and the legend is amazing, I must say. So, uh, oh my gosh. We'll, uh, here's, we'll, here's we'll find here's out what if I you actually well, do fire lightning and, out of your nether regions. I do not. And here's what I do well, that, and is the reason why I invited you on, which is I love to champion the fact that God is using the entertainment industry. He's a creator. And he anoints yeah. creative people. He touches creative people and allows them to have a presence that's different when they have family and marriages in these industries. It's just so beautiful. And you guys, you and your wife, Kate, are yep. um, you've been doing life in a real way in the entertainment industry, why you've been making films, why you've been writing, why you've been doing stuff with your three daughters. And you've supported so many people, multiple churches, and as you've been in your own journey of just like, I mean, that's an all-on journey. And so I really love that we're having this conversation because you know, when people think of me, I hope they think of what God's doing in the entertainment industry, because that's mm -hmm. what I'm hoping to, you know, allow people to get a glimpse through, through just our small relational connections so that they can champion it. If you're not in it, pray for it, you know, because mm -hmm. I think that this is such an important, you know, popular culture affects all culture. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about you and what you've been doing and take me on a little bit of the journey. Like what got you involved in entertainment? How did this all start? 
Sure, sure, sure. So uh, I appreciate that. And I think just going off of what you said before I dive in, you know, sure. I, I'm, I'm struck by the psalm that says that we have set our hearts on pilgrimage. And yeah. I was talking about this the other day with a, a small group, actually a, a small group that I led in college that we've, we've kind of circled back in this time of reconnected. Oh, wow. It's been really nice. And we were, I was leading sort of a conversation about uh, Jericho and about uh, the Israelites, you know, going into the promised land. And we have this expectation, right? Uh, even as Christians, you know, we talk about the promised land is this place of land flowing with milk and honey. It's perfect. It's ideal. Everything's going to work out. And what I was struck by is that the Israelites' pilgrimage ended in the promised land, but the struggle had only begun because they then had to go and take cities and take places and and the work began. And so I think that, you know, it's interesting for us, I think, because a lot of times as Christians, we can all relate to that idea of pilgrimage and certainly Hollywood is yes. a pilgrimage. But the reality is that the pilgrimage, it's like there's never – it's like the line from that U2 song. There's no line on the horizon. It just keeps, <laughs> <laughs> we just keep moving into the future. And the reality with the future is that there's always more of the future. And so I think that one of the things that is just a reality for people who come out here, there's, there's no there, there, there's just the ongoing pilgrimage of, of keeping moving. So I think that's definitely, you know, going off of what you're talking about in terms of art, the artistic pilgrimage. I think that's definitely something that, resonates no, with I, can, so, I can tell you're a writer completely because i just feel like i read your first chapter of an incredible book <laughs> you're, you're very kind i have i am unfortunately the opposite of a painter if uh, if a picture is worth a thousand words how much is a thousand words how much are ten thousand words worth i just keep using words <laughs> That's amazing. sometimes sometimes to the chagrin <laughs> of my wife who's like do you really have to could, could you seriously stop talking so much so there hey, you get that. paid for it so it's okay well, you know, well, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's it's funny because my journey starts. I was I grew up in Rhode Island, which is about as far from Hollywood as as you can imagine. Uh, my dad was a pastor and eventually became a, a church planter and a missionary. And uh, he uh, worked uh, for a number of years in the Middle East in different countries and in different contexts. And I, of course, grew up uh, in Rhode Island, sort of being you know, Hollywood is very far away from my my mental space, it, it was almost like, yeah. and it was almost like if you, if you said you wanted to go to Hollywood, it was like saying you wanted to go to Mars. It was like, well, that's totally. dumb. And, you know, and for Rhode Islanders, it's like, yeah, shut up and get back under the truck, work in the car, you know, cause we got to go to Johnston <laughs> later. It's a 20 minute drive. We're going to sleep over cause it's wicked far. And so Hollywood, oh you, you know, being 3000 miles away, it's like, why would you go there? That's just dumb. So, so I kind of grew up kind of feeling like I had this artistic stuff in me. I started writing stories when I was seven. Uh, I did studied theater in wow. high school and, and that I went to a, a, a college with a great film program, Wesleyan university in, in Connecticut. Um, but I never really had this idea that, that Hollywood was something that would be for someone like me. And especially because I grew mm. up with a, with a father who was a pastor, I, I would sort of watch my dad, you know, going into bars at two o'clock in the morning to pull, you know, guys out who had, who had fallen off the wagon. And, and, and I, I grew up with that kind of idea of what ministry is, or, or, you know, I love what you said, doing life, because that's really what ministry is. Um, and so that's what I saw. And so I kind of thought that, that Hollywood or the artistic life was something, you know, good, maybe a good hobby, but not really a thing. And it wasn't until my junior year when God kind of got on my heart in a, in a real serious way that I discovered a, that I loved movies Two that like John Eldridge says, um, God cares about the desires of our hearts. Yeah. And, and, and it was my own father actually, who said, you know, when I was really wrestling with what I was going to spend my life doing, as you do your junior year in college. Um, yeah. and I thought, well, maybe I should go into the ministry like my dad. And my dad said, look, you love movies, you love storytelling. 
um, there's something noble about uh, in two hours taking taking people from one place to another um, and and leaving them better for the journey. And so I kind of said, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Um, and and right around then, I met the woman who is now my wife, and we kind of set about on that journey. And and we, yeah, 18 years ago, I think we uh, we wow. ran away and joined the circus. Um, moved out to LA. <laughs> everything was everything was in a very small U-Haul, um, and we knew two people. Uh, and, uh, wow. we kind of, we kind of jumped in and, and actually one of the things that was really interesting was I think, I think that a lot of artists, especially who are Christians, um, it's like, we kind of need permission and it's weird because I, I'm a big believer in, in God. Uh, I believe that he revealed himself through Jesus. I believe that Jesus leads us into life. You know, John chapter 10, I, I, I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Um, but it's almost like, I think sometimes as Christians, especially if you grew up sort of in a particular faith tradition, which I did it's a little doom and gloom. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little, this world is not our home. So why do you love the things of this world and blah, 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 blah. And, and the reality though, is that Jesus wants us to live life abundantly. Um, one of the most interesting questions he asks us all the time in the scriptures is what do you want me to do for you? And sometimes that's question is, is really scary for us because it means that we sometimes have to confront the fact that there are things that we love and there are things we care about and there are things that we want. And sometimes as Christians, we've got to deal with the fact that some of those things are actually good and okay. And that, um, we have to give ourselves permission to want the things that God wants for us. That's so true. That's so real. And so, so when you got here, like yeah. t- tell us about when you were getting here though. So when like, I, so when I got here and you get here, like yeah. how are you pursuing the industry? I, this is the story that people don't realize how gut richly hard it is to just come into a new city and go, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do this. And there's no on-ramp. It's yeah. no, you're all in faith. So like what happened? Well, it's funny because there was a great article I read a couple of years ago online that, that basically said, um, nobody in LA, nobody cares. And that's both good and bad. Um, you know, it's good in the sense that nobody cares. So you can do whatever you want. Nobody cares. Everyone's so, <laughs> so sort true. of narcissistic. They're in their own journey. They're in their own world. They're in their own journey. Um, but the, the hard thing is that, you know, everyone's kind of indifferent to you because everyone's trying to do it. It's like my dad was, was here and he was in a suit shop getting measured for a suit and the guy measuring him for the suit. My dad mentioned, Oh, my son works in the industry. And the guy literally went into the back, took a script that he had and tried to give it to my dad to give to me. Um, and it's just a reminder <laughs> that it's like, everybody here is trying to do this. So no one really cares, you know, in, in the small town of wherever you are, you could say, Oh, I want to be a writer. And people go, wow, that's amazing. In LA, people are like, yeah, whoopity D. So, um, (laughs) so there's this kind so there is this thing where it's like you, you show up and you're like, okay, I guess we'll just kind of start. And so, so the first thing that, that Kate and I did was we knew that we, we can't do this on our own. We need community. We were like, it was a hard reboot for us. We were a year into marriage, um, and a year into figuring out that we did not know as, as much about marriage as we thought we did. And so, um, and so it was really good for us as a, in, in, in terms of our marriage to like reboot ourselves and do something together. You know, a lot of times in marriage, you wind up inheriting one of the other person's life. We were really starting yeah. this thing together, but, but that meant that wow. for us, it was like finding, finding a community, finding people and, and we found this community called Mosaic. Um, and it was the first time going off of that whole thing of giving ourselves permission. It was the first time where I heard this notion that creativity and spirituality are actually connected. 
that there's so something good. spiritual about the act of creation. And, and that, I think, for me, really unlocked me in a lot of ways as an artist because it, it helped me feel like, oh, this is actually a spiritual act that of, of writing and all that kind of stuff. So, so that was a really meaningful place. We, we did what we always try to do when we're in a new, when we're in a new place, which is run to the center, because I think a lot of times in LA people will hang out at the margins. Yeah. And we just kind of yeah. knew that for us, it's like, you're not going to find, you're not going to get connected hanging out at the margins. And we really did. We, we knew we needed to, to get to the center. So we got super involved leading small groups, uh, leading film team. My wife started leading the women's discipleship uh, stuff there at the ripe old age of 22. Wow, you guys went all in. Yeah, oh, we were, that's, that's how we, t that's how, t sometimes to our detriment, uh, but we will, we will, we will run to the center and, and suddenly, um, and it, it was interesting was I came out, it was in the middle of a recession. So I had a real hard time finding work in the industry. So I actually took a copywriting job outside the industry and then we just said, okay, we're just gonna, um, we're just gonna dive in, and uh, I'm gonna write on the at night and on the weekends. And I fell in with a group of like-minded folks in Mosaic, and we were suddenly, I think, in six months, I wrote my first short film that was like in production, like six months later. And then another friend of mine needed help with his short film, so I helped with his. Then I got brought in to do another short. Like it just was this incredibly productive season of finding people who we all kind of wanted to do the same thing. And so we all started doing it. It's where I met my, my dear friend, uh, Jimmy Duke, who uh, wound up helping me produce my first feature film. That's wow. how I got connected to one of my friends and mentors, very close friends and mentors, Ralph Winter, who Love wound him. up uh, handling, helping me on my first couple of short films and then wind up uh, executive producing my first feature. And, and we're on a project now together. Like it was just this sort of amazing time of diving in and going, okay, if we're going to do this, we're not going to do it half-heartedly we're gonna we're gonna dive in and i had an incredibly long-suffering wife who would frequently you know because when you're when you're when you're a young filmmaker you're grabbing like you know i got a stick of gum and and half a can of paint and, and a wall <laughs> the macgyver syndrome exactly you're just like let's make it work and so my wife would frequently i would be like hey could i take the sheets from our bed because we need something and you know blah, blah, blah. sure go ahead but i think you know uh, so we did all that stuff, but I think Sean, one of the smartest things that Kate and I did and one of the most healthy things we did for our marriage was we were driving out and we put a timeline on the dream because, mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of times, and this is where I think marriage is, is so important and how you manage a marriage, um, while doing this is so important. I think a lot of times I've seen a lot of husbands who come out to LA and their wives are kind of along for the ride, but not really. Um, and the husband is is chasing it, and I guess maybe it happens in reverse. But most of my experience is, is talking with husbands for whom they were he, they came out here, but their wife, their her heart was elsewhere. Wow. And and so I don't know how I thought of this, but I knew that Kate was coming out here because of my goals. And so we drove out, and I said, okay, here's what we should. I think we should do. Let's work really hard for two years. And we'll see if we've made any progress. And if we've made any progress, you can tell me, let's leave and I'll listen. But wow. if we're making enough progress, um, let's work really hard for another three years. Let's work hard till like year five and we'll see if we've made more progress. And if at the end of that time, we haven't done, I haven't made progress, you can tell me and we'll go. And I said, but if we're feeling- That like takes incredible self-awareness though, because I feel like a lot of the people who are in their dreams here, even with spouses, I feel like- um, they are, you know, it's the thing of people sacrifice their real relationships for 
what they're hoping to gain in their career. And you see the people, the women who don't get, you know, have a baby, they're at 44 and they realize I've sacrificed my mother, being a mother because I did this instead. And I'm still not where I thought I would be by this point. You see it for both sides, for men, for women, for whatever. Yeah. So the fact that you had the, I hope people are hearing this because the fact that you had the emotional awareness or emotional intelligence to say, Hey, let's set some goals and actually like for both of our health, for, for our marriage health, that's huge. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it was, it was really interesting because I think it did give us some benchmarks. And I'll tell you, Sean, there was, by the end of year two, I had made like two short films and we were on the way to with the third and the first one was starting to get into film festivals. And so Kate said, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel like we're making some progress here. And then at the end of year five, I was standing on the set of my first feature film and I'd just been hired by uh, a studio to write my first sort of feature film for them. And so Kate said, okay, all right, sounds good. And then it was year nine. And year nine uh, coincided with probably the worst year I've seen in the business up until the present time, where it was like three years after the Writers Guild strike, a lot of production stuff had shut down. There were a lot of there was a lot of shift happening in our business. And it was year nine, and my wife said to me, um, it's not year 10, because we agreed that we would work till year five. And then if, if things are working, we'd go to year 10. She said, It's not year 10, so I know I can't ask you this yet but I just need you to go get a regular job. And, wow. and I said, and, and all the male husband, father pride in me that was like, don't you believe in me? Don't you, don't you trust me? Don't you, whatever. I had to die to all that stuff because scripture talks about how we have to, you know, die to, to ourselves, live for our wives. Yeah. And, and one of the things my father has always said to me is uh, you can't ask someone else to live on your level of faith especially no, in marriage, good. you know, there's, that's there's so limits good. to that. And so, and so I said, okay, honey. So I literally went out that day, found a job four days later, uh, they offered me the job and Kate said, don't take it. And I, I said, what you told me to go get a regular job. <laughs> and she said, I, I don't need you to take it. I just needed to know that you were willing to take it. And wow. so, and so I wound up passing on the job and a month later, a commercial that I had, uh, helped with some friends, uh, wound up winning the Doritos Crafts, the Super Bowl competition, and there was a, a, you know a little bit of a financial uh, blessing for that for us. And it was just one of these moments, John, where you know one of my key verses has always been Ecclesiastes eleven one: Cast your bread to the waves, and after many days you'll find it again. And the text note for that verse says, "Live dangerously." Now there are obviously limits to living dangerously, um, but I think one of the biggest things for a marriage is you've got to both be willing to live dangerously. And if you're not both willing to leave da live dangerously, then something's got to give. And I think that because my job as a husband is to die to myself and live to my wife, live for my wife, I have to be willing to, um, you know, let her at some, sometimes set the pace for what she's, what she's comfortable with because an awful lot of marriages, the partners leave the other one behind. And, uh, a dear friend of mine paid it, paid me and Kate a tremendous compliment a couple of years ago. He said, you, you guys won't leave each other behind you, wherever you go, you're going together. So and, good. and that's, I think a really, really, I think that's one of the things that kind of helps a marriage thrive, especially doing this, doing this chaotic business is cause it's so yeah. up and down and all over the place. And, and that's where it's like, yeah, whatever we do, we're doing it together is crucial. And that, that infused, that fused us right at the start of our trip. Hey, what do we think about these timelines? And that fuses, you know, fuels us even today. Well, it's really interesting when you study out the issue of marriage. I know there's some Gateway Church has Jimmy Evans, who has one of the top marriage ministries in the world, and mm -hmm. some of their statistics that they put out, and some of the statistics from even some of the psychology groups, Christian psychology groups, is that 
Christians who are married actually have a much lower divorce rate. It used to be the same. Yeah. It used to be almost yeah. 48%. And now it's like yeah. 29 or 32%. And there's something about what you're just saying that you're capturing something that I think is kind of, you know, hard for some people to hear and other people are just fully in celebration, which is, it's not about me. Right. And it's about us. And I think like, yeah. you've just laid it out so beautifully because when you go into a narcissistic, narcissistic industry that celebrates you and I've had to mentor like athletes and like a yeah. lot of professional athletes, a lot of people who have, you know, some level of fame. And what happens is they're so used to being celebrated and they go home and they have to change diapers. And they're like, I don't want to do this. Right. I can't. You're yelling right. at me because I'm gone for three months and you feel like I violate, you can hire a nanny. And they're like, I want privacy. I don't want a nanny. I want, I want you, you know? Yeah. And there's yeah. these things that happen where you're like, someone runs past, like you're saying, and I love you guys and your foundation for the way you're talking about making decisions. Because not only have you made these decisions and have you been walking this out, but you know, you've been leading small groups and talking and having conversations around this. And that to me is like that William Wilberforce thing where when he's trying to kind of reprogram what Christianity looks like in his generation and talk about issues like slavery and other issues. And he's mm -hmm. having these really powerful discussions with people in society around tables who are politicians and lords and ladies using his influence and his money to have these dinners to kind of change the inner culture of the yeah. way people think. Yeah. through Christianity. And I think I just see that in you guys. I just feel like this is why I'm so excited that we do a show like Exploring the Industry because you hear someone who's in the industry like you, Nathan, who's actually taken now 18 years of steps towards let's celebrate who we are first in God, in our marriage, in our family, and let everything else come yeah. through God and through yeah. that, as opposed to the opposite, which I feel like there's people who are probably listening who go, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to connect that. It really comes from the power of choice versus a model you have to learn. It's, and it's really powerful choices you're making that compile. Well, I think it's, you know, it's really interesting because I do think that this business and look, our business is not unique. I'm sure that people who are investment bankers or, or whatever deal with the same things, but this is, this is our world. And, 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 you know, a really, um, a key moment for me a couple of years ago was I'd made my first feature film. I'd been asked to go to an event and my wife uh, was pregnant with our second baby and she was um, placenta previa. So it was, it was week 18 and um, oh. her, uh, you know, it was, it was very complicated. She was on bed rest and mm. I was given the choice of going to this event. It would take me away for a weekend. And it's one of those events where you're like, this is the kind of stuff I should go to. And I still remember Again, Ralph Winter being such a such an influence, um, he at, he told me he said, "Look, at the end of your life, Jesus is not going to ask you about your awards. He's not going to ask you about <laughs> your movies. He's not going to ask you about all the all that all the stuff you've accomplished. He's going to ask you, were you faithful to care for the people that I asked you to care for? And there is no more important relationship you will tend than the relationship with your wife. And that just so good." echoed and and it has you know there have been several subsequent decisions where we've had to do that we've had to say nope we're we're choosing family first and there's a cost to that uh, um and that's real but i i know that i can look at my marriage and look at the relationship that i have with, with, with my wife and we are by no means perfect but i think one of the things that we are committed to doing is we are faithful and and we're faithful to so the good. things that that matter most and to be honest i think that's one of the things that helps keep us on terra firma. Bono has talked in interviews about exactly what you're talking about. That whole thing of like, I have 80,000 people a night telling me I'm amazing. Why on earth am I going home to somebody who shows me my flaws or who challenges me? <laughs> it's so much easier to follow those, the voices of, the, of those 80,000. But the reality is that that one voice 
is is more important. That's what intimacy is, and and that's where it's like for me and Kate, we've always tried to choose that 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 we've always chosen each other, and and I don't I don't think that you regret anything when you choose that, especially because now I've got three daughters, and I know that I'm setting the course that they will that their lives will make. And I hope. And I was just going to ask you about your daughters because you have three daughters, all different ages. Yeah. And are any of them like looking at the arts entertainment industry and going, "Ooh, I'm kind of a, you know, flying that <laughs> direction a little bit"? Would that scare you at all, or are you excited about whatever they choose? Uh, I am mindful of the fact that sometimes, you know, that David couldn't build the temple, right? Solomon was going to build the temple. There are things in our legacy. I love that line from Hamilton. I'm going to butcher it, but it's this idea that legacy is is planting a garden you will never see. Yes, I love and, that line too. And I'm and I'm mindful of the fact that I am by virtue of being here in LA, I am creating the opportunity for my children to imagine a bigger life for themselves than I could imagine in Rhode Island. And it's nothing against Rhode Island. I love I love where I came from. I'm very grateful for it, but it was hard to imagine a big future. And and I think that, you know, I don't know if my girls are going to chase anything in the in the industry. They have all kinds of different interests, but I yeah. love that we are in a space where they can at least imagine it, where we have people over for dinner, not during COVID, but we have filmmakers and and poets and painters and our girls get to be like, that's normal. I love that they can watch TV and go, oh, there's our friend Adam, or there's our friend Jama, or there's our friend Ralph or whatever. And, and it just, they can conceive of it. You know what I mean? And I think that's- yeah. That's what any of us want for our kids is for our kids to be able to imagine a, a bigger future. So I have, I have no idea where their lives will go. Um, I certainly, you know, uh, would love it if they, if they wanted to do this, but the fact that they can at least imagine it and conceive it to me, that's really cool. Uh, I think it's a great answer. It's, I think the same way with, with my daughters being in LA yeah. and just the opportunity to think um, with a bigger perspective because you're exposed to more. Yeah. And people think of it as bad exposure. They think of the, the wrong culture exposure, but there's so much good in places where entertainment's formed because there's so much creativity. There's so much artistry. There's so much deep thinking and philosophy. And so I love that you're saying that. I want to, I want to switch subjects a little bit because I feel like we, I feel like people are really hearing you as a, as a husband and a father, but you are also a story maker and a storyteller. And you even teach and have taught in the past the power yeah. of story and like how storytelling, like what, talk about that as far as someone who's not just trying to make only faith-based project, but someone who just loves the power of story. Talk about what story does. Well, you know, it's funny because I think there's a way to connect the two conversations. Um, when I was 12, and this is where I'm aging myself a little bit, uh, there is a TV show that came on called Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> and, and all my friends were watching it. And I think we're the same age because that's okay. like the same right. time it came up. Okay, yeah. cool, perfect. So we we can swing, we can sing the theme song together in unison. Be <laughs> um, but but I wanted to watch this show, and my parents were very different from most other kids' parents that I knew. They said, "Okay, let's watch the show, but then let's talk about it, and let's talk about every episode." And so we would watch every episode for a couple of years. Because a lot of times, especially in the in the early on stuff, the show was very like issue based. So it's like this week yeah. we're going to talk about racism. This week we're going to talk talk about cheating. This week we're going to talk about sleeping with your boyfriend or whatever. And my parents would ask me, you know, what did you think about the choices the characters made? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it was the first time that I realized, because of my parents, the power of story in terms of you know it's presenting. It, it you can wrestle with moral and ethical questions, and and even on a you know a silly teen drama. 
there was some real stuff in that show that they really yeah. grappled with that related to me and related to questions that I had as I went on to high school. I was very disappointed when I got to high school and I didn't realize that everyone got a cool Mustang and had Washes, <laughs> uh, totally. awesome hair. Um, but, yes. but, but, but I, but my parents showed me from an early age, like the arts is not just entertainment. There, there is, there is, there are deeper ways to explore themes and all that kind of stuff. And that has never really left me. And I think that now, you know, as a storyteller, um, I'm very mindful of the fact that, and by the way, look, there are so many smart people having conversations like these. I've, I've been fortunate in that I've, I've paid attention to people like Scott Derrickson, who wrestles with this stuff a lot in his work. And Scott, mm-hmm. Scott talks a lot about the idea that, that, that art is not necessarily a place for an artist to put forth his or her perspective. It's a, it's a place for an artist to wrestle with the questions that matter most to, to her or him and, and it, it, it's less about sort of dec- declarative truth and more about investigative truth. Yeah. And so, and, and he does a, a masterful job of that in his horror films where he's really exploring spiritual sides of reality and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I, I pay attention to people who are, who are engaging with that, but I'm, but I'm very mindful of the fact that as an artist and a storyteller, there are, I love the, I love when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is within you. And, and he doesn't mean that that salvation lies within us because that that's, you know, especially in this, the times in which we live, salvation isn't, we, we can't fix ourselves. Um, but, but this idea that there are kingdom themes, there are kingdom truths, there's stuff in us written into the marrow of our souls that um, if we can, if we can bring out in, a, in an interesting way, in a compelling way, other people who hear those stories get to go, me too. Oh, I see that. I can relate to that. And that's the power, I think, of, of mass communication is and i say this all the time to to young filmmakers my mentor or whatever um mass media is a really big microphone uh the question is do you have anything worthwhile to say and and that doesn't mean that we are necessarily preaching truth but it means that we are asking provocative questions and we are exploring the questions that that drive us and i think that story uniquely allows us to do that and 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 the best stories, you know, you think about Steven Spielberg, uh, driven by some of his sort of early formative experiences growing up, um, his the, his parents' divorce, his relationship with his father. So much of that, fu- you know, fuels his early work, um, right down to Ava DuVernay, who you know has a has a tremendous passion for justice, racial justice, and she's using stories to explore those ideas. You know, um, the, the the film Just Mercy. Um, that we watched, I watched with my girls this summer, like these are all powerful stories that speak to our time and that uh, unlock not only sort of propositional truths of, well, this is true, that is not, but it's also emotional truths, spiritual truths, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think that storytelling is a vehicle for truth telling and truth exploration. It's just, it captivated me as a kid. And it's, it's funny because you're talking about how challenging um, this work is somebody was asking me recently, what, why do you keep doing this? Um, <laughs> cause it's, cause it is hard. And honestly, the power of a good story. Like I was just texting with a friend today, we've got a TV pilot and we're developing a project for, for a company. And I woke up this morning and it was this like download and it was like 15 minutes. I saw the whole pilot. So, cool. so I'm texting my friend furiously and doing this and he's texting back and we're you know going back and forth. And now I have to go type it up. But I but that's what excites me is like the power of story and the power of story to communicate, explore, question, resolve, reconcile truths. For me, it's like that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, man. It's like I see the movie poster. I see what what it is. And so I'm like, all right, let's go. And what's fun 
is when you can not only write a good scene, come up with a good line of dialogue, but you sit there and you go, oh, there's something deep to this. That's mm. what that's what really excites me. Well, I am so excited by what you're talking about because I think it's just opens up our perspective as we listen to you to just think, uh, like you used the word deeper a few times, deeper. We're thinking deeper. And Nathan Scoggins, you could find his work uh, all over the place, but you can look him up on IMDb, check him out. Is there anything you want to point us at that you're working on right now that we can uh, view or look at? Um, I have a, a movie that has sort of come. Uh, it, it was a, it, my first feature is an independent feature that it came available. It was released on DVD by Universal. It was streamed on Stars, streamed on Netflix, and then like it wasn't available, and then it was available. So it's kind of so you can you can see some of my work. The least of these, I wrote a TV movie called The Perfect Summer, which I think you can see on Amazon Prime. There's a movie I, I produced called Red Line that is available worldwide. There's you know there's all kinds of stuff, and and then. Uh, yeah, you can find me through the interwebs. I'm on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm my thumbs. My thumbs are a little sore because one of my great joys is live tweeting the Bachelor uh, TV shows. Yeah, so that's night was, amazing. Was uh, the Bachelorette season premiere? And uh, look, in COVID time, I will take whatever joy I can get. So last night, I was tweeting like a maniac about about the Bachelorette. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. I'm definitely definitely around. Well, thanks for sharing your time with us and your life. We so appreciate it. And I hope to talk to you again. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. So happy to check, happy to check in anytime. Awesome. That was great. I love cool. that you had the bachelor. It's so funny because like some of our girls from our church, they do a bachelor home group and they, they were so sad that they couldn't do it this time because there's like 10 of them or 12 of them that do it. And right. they're all in different walks of life. Two of them are like, I'm quarantining right now because yes. I just got back from overseas. Yeah, I'm like, It's just so funny, but they're like, I, I don't watch the show, but I heard last night was pretty dramatic. Oh, it was and- <laughs> it was insane. There was all the drama, and I was there for it. I was That's there awful. for it. I was all in. So oh, it's beautiful. We'll we'll have to. I'm gonna look up your Twitter for this, and I'll show my wife. That'll be amazing. Well, thanks so much for the conversation, seriously. I'd love to meet you face to face sometime, and uh, and your lovely wife. I we would, good, we maybe would, after all this is over. We would love that. Yeah. Welcome to Exploring Series Podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career and the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic, where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's gonna change the world through the entertainment industry. And we wanna invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're gonna find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.